You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. Well, guys, as things start to get even spoopier around here, given that we're leaning into the fall, uh, I just want to remind you that now is the perfect time to treat yourself to some delicious baked goods. And with the coupon code No Love Lost on Fred's website, you can get 20% off your order. He's got um, fresh foods that are never frozen. Uh, a lot of his items can't be found in stores. And he's got an amazing selection of cookies and brownies and blondies. Oh my gosh, guys, really, really good stuff. So what are you waiting for? If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know exactly what I'm about to say. Go to fredsbs.com, use that coupon code NOLOVELOST, and treat yourself. And if you're looking for other ways to support us directly, go to the Podcast Jukebox Network and go get yourself a No Love Lost t-shirt or a Crazy About Kurt t-shirt. Uh, once again, we really appreciate everybody who supports the podcast in whatever way they can, whether that's buying baked goods, buying merchandise, or just by listening and subscribing and spreading the word and leaving a comment. In whatever way you can support us, we appreciate you. And we really, really love getting to have this discussion with you every week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, yeah, just you're the best. On that note, Michelle, take it away. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we We had to go <laughs> back. Did we, though? Like, did we, though? Mm? <laughs> what are we doing yes. right now? It's super late. Why are we, why are we taking the longest possible intro for this particular episode? Welcome back. To No Love Lost, the podcast. Mm-hmm. It is indeed a podcast. Where we break <laughs> down the hit ABC TV <laughs> series Lost. I do have an emotional breakdown every time we get together, yes. No, um, uh, well, you'll have to apologize. <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to pardon us for being a little loopy. We had a lot of technical issues before starting this episode. We're not even sure if this audio is recording right right now. <laughs> it doesn't look right, <laughs> but we're going with we're it. We're going with it. <laughs> so uh, apologies for both the, the loopiness of your hosts and for what, however this audio ends up sounding. And who are your hosts? Well, I'm Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everyone. we are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 13... The Long Con. <laughs> uh, I've been waiting for this one. It is written by Leonard Dick and Stephen uh, Medea. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and directed by Rachel Dawson. 
Nice. Nice. I was going to say Leonard Dick pops up a lot, huh? Leonard Dick does pop up a lot. That dick keeps popping up. <laughs> no matter what you do. How old are you, 12? <laughs> Look, it's a late night here at the No Love Lost Podcast Studios. Um, in this episode, it's a, if you couldn't tell from the title, it's a Sawyer episode. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because the, you know, you think the title is about the flashback. But then you realize that it's really about the long con. He's running on all his island buddies. <laughs> Maybe the long con was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I really... <laughs> I really like this episode. I, I do, too. I do, too. I think it's a fun, fast-paced episode that actually has repercussions uh, down the line and within it. Um... I, I'm I'm a big fan. Look, I'm also I'm kind of in the bag for a Sawyer episode almost always, if I'm uh, to be honest. Well, this was an entire episode, uh, almost exclusively made up of close-ups on Josh Holloway's face. So you know, I had a good time. <laughs> there you go. Um, but like for me, I feel I I do feel a little conflicted about this. I feel like it it was a super entertaining episode, and it does a lot. To show how cunning and resourceful Sawyer is. But I, I do take my... And, and I also think it was the point of this episode as well. But I do take some issue with this maybe being a, a back step or two for his character. And then also kind of the pettiness of the stakes involved. And granted, that's part of the point. That's part of the point. I fully recognize that. They, they but I stole, do go, huh. <laughs> they took his stuff when he was sailing away to never return. <laughs> and they took his stuff and he's mad about it. I find but, that to be kind of petty. But, well, but that's look, part of the point. That's part he, of the point. He is petty. A lot of people are acting petty lately, though. Jack's been acting petty. Jack's. When is Jack? I guess we should be asking, when is Jack not acting petty? Because he's a he can be a pretty petty person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, let's start with the start with this. Let's start with the flashback, as we usually do. Aww, <laughs> this is a fun flashback. And Sawyer is in bed with an attractive lady played by uh, Kim Dickens of both uh, Deadwood and Fear the Walking Dead fame. I thought she looked familiar. That's why. I was like, oh, she's the mom from Fear the Walking Dead. And uh, She's a cutie in this episode, right? Yeah, she plays Cassidy. And we've seen this scene before. We've to the seen... point where I was like, is it the same girl? <laughs> I was seeing the same flashback. Sawyer is like, oh, I'm going to be late. I, we were boning so much that now we got to... Uh... <laughs> By the way, I realize I've <laughs> made a lot of innuendos already. And this is coming on the heels of us realizing, oh, they're like 14-year-olds who listen to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, real real quick. Okay, so we should, we should take a quick aside um, to say that, you know, we 
obviously, um, Lost the Musical is still going on. Uh, I think it wraps up on September 22nd, which is the anniversary of Lost's premiere, because it premiered on September 22nd in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. Our good buddy, Steven, who uh, was kind enough to guest on our podcast as he, uh, you know, to promote his show, Lost the Musical, uh, did us, made our hearts swell you know, three sizes that day when he sent you a particular text. Basically saying that uh, a couple people came up to him after the show saying that they heard about the show by listening to our podcast and that warmed our hearts considerably. But it also, yes, made us realize that uh, children listen to this podcast and we're we're so, so sorry <laughs> for everything. Hey, they know. They grew up with the Internet. They know what's going on. I was going to say, if those kids are on Tumblr, then there's nothing we could say that they haven't seen already. Well, so, uh, again, thank you guys for listening. It means a lot. So, we do have, it's the same routine. It's like I'm getting out of bed, I'm, I'm, I'm late for a meeting, I open up this briefcase, all the money falls out. Which I think is why when we got to Sawyer's first flashback episode, which is why I think we were like mixing memories and going like, I thought this was the episode where, you know, he pulled that really long con on that girl. And it, obviously that turned out not to be the case. I was superimposing memories from this episode onto that one when we first watched it. So... What ends up happening here, Cassidy, she immediately calls him on it. Like, you expect me to buy this? And she's like, that's real amateurish. I'm insulted. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't get any money in the divorce. This isn't that kind of thing. But she's a little intrigued and turned on by the idea of the con. She's like, hey, you might not have fooled me, but I want, you know... You, guy who didn't fool me in this moment, I want you to teach me how to fool other people, even though I totally saw right through you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You would. (laughs) You would. Yeah. Wait a second. He ran an unsuccessful con, but he didn't really. That's the thing. (laughs) There are layers to this. I do. I do want to ask, is this a case of Sawyer? being a mastermind and like this all went according to his plan or is this a a case of Sawyer being adaptable because I I legitimately believe that he did kind of fall for this girl based on that scene oh you mean where where this ends yeah well you know what let's we we can tackle that when we get to the end of the flashback let's get to that because I think that's where most of the conversation of this flashback is going to take place because the next time we see him he's teaching her like a little simple con. He's got some cheap necklaces. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> and there are these bros hanging out at a gas station. Because that's what bros do. Looking to buy necklaces. And Can I just say. Potentially the worst extras this show has ever oh, got. Yeah. They picked these guys up on some street corner in Hawaii. And Did it was just someone like, win a contest? These guys stink. <laughs> but you know what? The only... I don't. I feel terrible. I don't. I don't like. These people were clearly not professional. Actors. I was gonna say I don't like, because I mean I know it's hard. Acting is hard. It requires a lot of training. I'm a very amateurish actor with some of the voice acting stuff I'm doing. But like, 
I, I fully acknowledge it is it is not as easy as it looks. You know, Josh Holloway makes it look so simple with how natural and fantastic he is. It is but, a difficult craft. But he tells her that it's all about like misdirect. Like he's like the guy with like the busted nose from the bar fight and he's got the nexus, they're gonna look at the price tag. And it's true, you see something that's expensive and you think you're getting this great deal. And he he runs up to these guys. <laughs> Tweedledee and, and Tweedledum. <laughs> and he's got like necklaces wrapped up in there. He's like, hey, you wanna buy? And they're like, how'd you get them? <laughs> how'd you think? <laughs> this whole sequence is friggin' hysterical. And they're like, mm, I don't know. But then Kim Dickens saunters over and she and goes. And there's just something so approachable and believable about about her with her, her like, oh my gosh, this is such a deal. Because girls know stuff about jewelry, right, Will? The girls do. Probably. And, and, <laughs> I well, don't know anything about jewelry. Well, look, everybody knows everything more about anything <laughs> than these two yokels. <laughs> Right? I mean, there's no some. I pick, like, (laughs) whatever subject they know the most about. Like, I don't know, the history of of beer pong or something. (laughs) I've never played beer pong, and I know more about it than these guys already. That's That's how bad these guys are. I don't think Sawyer needed a partner (laughs) to pull one over on these guys. Um, But it seemed to, that seemed to be the... It seemed to work. Well, anyway, it it worked. (laughs) So now, like, we get the impression they've been together for quite some time. And she's like, I want to do a long, I want to do a big con. He's like, it's called a long con. (laughs) Which is pretty cute. And she's like, we could do this long con we could go live on a beach somewhere well because at first he's like no we need money to do a long con that's not how it's done don't worry about it and she's like well maybe i wasn't 100 percent forthcoming uh when i said i didn't get anything in the divorce and she says i have 600k and he's like girl we could just like worth that amount of money we could just hang out on a beach somewhere. And you know what? I kind of concur. If I had $600,000 sitting in my bank account, and granted, you can't necessarily live off of that forever. Like, a lot of people have, like, an uh, an annual income of $100,000, you know, a year. But if I had $600,000 $600, just sitting in my account, I would probably just take a year and coast, you know? Really? Yeah. <laughs> On, if the option is on a beach with mojitos and Josh Holloway, yes. Okay. I will absolutely take a year to just hang out with Josh Holloway drinking but, mojitos. But so much about the relationship is about the con. Yeah, like, that's I the think thing. I think like, she like finds the whole the thing money. thrilling. Well, and, and, and with that amount of money, it's pretty clear that she doesn't need the money you know and this relationship is moving fast but the whole mechanics of this whole episode move fast and i actually really like even the island stuff like it seems like it's, it's very fast like, paced boom boom to beat to beat and to it beat. it escalates yes it escalates and the the pacing gets quicker as the situation escalates which i find quite you know quite enthralling um so they're gonna they're gonna do this long con because the long con is all about convincing someone to do something for you, mm. and Sawyer has just done that, because then we cut to Sawyer at the diner 
and uh, he's <laughs> meeting with he's meeting with Kevin Dunn, character actor Kevin Dunn, who pops up in all sorts of places. Like he's the dad in the Transformers movies. That's right. He's also fantastic on Veep. Um, but uh, I don't know if you wrote it down. Do you see what diner he's at? Did you see who the waitress uh-huh. was? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the waitress just happens to be Freckles' mom. Is this... You, I really wonder about the timeline on a lot of these, like, intersecting of, like, characters. Because I'm like, is this before or after Kate goes, is, has been on the run? I'm genuinely curious. And, and there is no answer yeah, because we don't no we don't get a time frame on this. We don't know how long ago. Well, we know this is because I know Sawyer goes to prison, and Cassidy visits him while he's in prison in season three, I think. So there's probably a lot of time. Um. So anyway. But yeah, that was when when Kate's mom popped up. I was just like. Oh, that's hysterical. That's awesome. That's so fun. So Sawyer's like, I don't want to do this. And Kevin Dunn's like, you owe me. And he's really threatening him. And I just kept thinking, Sawyer, you could take Kevin Dunn. (laughs) Character actor Kevin Dunn. Um, Yeah, Gordy's talking about how he's going to put a bullet in his head. And was like, mmm... Because we already know later on down the line, Sawyer has no problem committing murder. <laughs> like, it took a little bit to to build up the courage to do it. So I guess Sawyer isn't a murderer yet. No, he's So probably, I guess that would be crossing a line. He's only killed a, he only killed a couple of people. Uh, <laughs> so, like, he... In the course of the show, he's not like a guy who goes around killing people. I mean... If looks could kill, oh, he I would be you, wanted. I see what you did there. You're so thirsty for soil. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't act like you're not. <laughs> so you look into those big, beautiful eyes and tell me that you wouldn't run away with Josh Holloway. Hey, <laughs> I'm a straight man, but if I'm on an island with Josh Holloway, <laughs> just give it some time. <laughs> Um, so Sawyer goes back to Cassie and she's like, he's like, Cass, the long con, it was on you this whole time. But what we had was real. What we Aww. had. And it's Aww. like, it was, but it wasn't. I guess and this is where we get into what you wanted to yeah. talk about with this, which is really the whole point of this flashback. Uh, it's like, is he conning her? Is he not conning her? Then he, this is, you know, talking he, about how such a, what a good actor Josh Holloway is. And and maybe it's just that Sawyer himself is a method actor, or maybe much like many good lies, there's an element of truth in the performance. N- like, maybe he does love her, and that's why he's able to sell the sincerity. Because that's the thing, is that the performance comes off as so sincere, like, it really seems like their lives really are on the line and that he is sorry for for doing this to her. Now, the one reason... So he ends up taking the money from her. Yeah, he, up- he tricks her. He's like, here's, here's the duffel bag filled with money. Go to this hotel. Get yourself a drink. Wait for me. I, I'm going to, like, take care of this. I will meet you there. I love you. And then she leaves... 
He gets into the car and he counts one Mississippi, two yeah. Mississippi. I, the sequence is so good. It's so good. The, the only reason I bring up those particular details is because it's friggin' awesome. Like when I, when he starts, you know, when he looks over and there's nobody else in the car and he starts counting, that's when like the weight of what's happening really crashes on you as an as a viewer because you're like oh no and he walks back into that house grabs the money because you know it was a simple sleight of hand and he was able to get away with all of her money but he's not feeling good about it no now the one thing i will say about this flashback i think the impact of the betrayal in the flashback doesn't hit as hard because it's uh kind of being shown to us almost simultaneously with the betrayal of all the characters we've come to know and love yeah. on the island. So let's talk about the island stuff. Unless there's more you want to say about the well, flashback. Well, just, you know, whether or not... And if you want to wait until the very end of the episode to have this debate or not, but do you think that Sawyer... Again, if this is a Sawyer... A, a case of Sawyer being a mastermind like we see him on the island because that is like Machiavellian yeah or or if this is a case of Sawyer adapting to his circumstances and then genuinely feeling bad about it afterwards you mean in the flashback in the flashback specifically I mean I think it is I mean there's a level well with the con you gotta adapt sometimes yeah and I think he but I mean, I mean, he does feel bad about it. I think he genuinely feels bad about it. He genuinely had feelings for this woman. And, but, you know, as he says later, icon, tiger <laughs> you... don't change its stripes. <laughs> I, I do think, I think that he was always, you know, he went in expecting his usual shtick to work. But I feel, I also feel like Sawyer always goes into every situation with a plan A and a plan B. Not necessarily like a full-on Xanatos gambit in every scenario, but he's also super adaptable. So I feel like he thought plan A was going to work, and when it didn't, he was like, okay, maybe I can try something else. And then when she brings up the possibility of like, I want you to teach me, he saw an opportunity and he took it. And, cause, I mean, like, that's probably what it is. Because I, I watched could... this episode twice, and I was, I was look like, the first time I was just watching it, the second time I was really looking at his emoting. Because he can't anticipate He's that not she's psychic. gonna yeah. want to, like, join up with him. Unless he, unless that was, like, kind of the point of, like, Gordy looking at this particular woman and being like, this is a girl who's loaded, who's looking for excitement, in which case, either plan A or plan B could work. And, and if they didn't have a plan B going into it, uh, Gordy or whatever, this guy's waiting around a while for this. <laughs> now in months of selling cheap <laughs> costume jewelry to knuckleheads. Yeah, I, I genuinely feel like it was Sawyer adapting to the situation because otherwise, what's the point of this scene with Gordy unless Sawyer was kind of maybe trying to cut him out of the earnings i don't know by the way i love that you called out how dumb those extras because that's <laughs> all i've been thinking about this whole conversation right they were terrible 
I feel, like I again. I feel bad. I don't want to rag on people's no, acting. I don't terrible. feel good about they're it. Not, they are clearly they are Hawaiian locals who are not actors. That's why I was like, did someone win a contest? And I say this as somebody who who was an extra at one point in a show. Although I was a zombie, and I feel like I did a pretty good job. <laughs> but no, I I feel bad. I I take no joy in calling someone a bad actor. I know that a lot of critics do have fun with that. I take no joy in it, and so I don't feel good ragging on these guys. But they were bad. They were so bad. So on like, the distractingly bad. Yeah. Look, even the way they're shot. Because you barely get, like, a, you get no real good look at these guys. They're so nondescript. <laughs> because Rachel Dawson... Are they even when, real? <laughs> when Rachel Dawson was directing this, she's like, Jesus Christ, this is what I gotta work with? Like, let's keep oh, these Rachel. guys on screen as... Bare minimum. Bare minimum. Um, like, what, what is the maximum amount of time... We can to stand them. Yeah. What's the maximum time that we could establish that they're human men? <laughs> How long will that take? Show them for that. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and watch the scene. These guys stink. Anyway. It's like they're... It is, it is, it is, it is genuinely like... Were these aliens that came down and were pretending to they be were, humans? They were. They went to the hospital and got a bunch of lobotomized people. Now we're being mean. Now we're being mean. It's probably not even that bad now. We're going to go back and watch it. will be like, we're like we why were we so harsh? Okay, so now to the island. To the island. Locke, true to his name, is locking up the guns. Ugh. And Jack wants the combination. Which is fair, I think. I think it is fair, but they make a pact where if we're going to go get the guns, we are going to consult each other. Uh, it does make sense. Can I just say, though, that like I don't think I've ever heard Jack like straight up like, give a mobster threat in the way that he does here because Locke is like I'm assuming that this isn't an issue of trust that you are just asking about this in in the event that something terrible happens to me like I fall off a cliff which is why someone should have it yeah but then Jack goes well there are a lot of cliffs on this island John (laughs) and it was just like that you plan on pushing him off what are what was that Jack Like, that is literally, I think, the most mobster thing Jack has ever said, right? It was a little, it was a weird, vague threat. It was a vague threat. And I was like, Jack's normally not, like, the the threatening type in, in terms of, in terms of situations also, like this. Locke isn't asking for anything outrageous. Like, yeah, there should be some sort of, like, system in which... Yeah. One person shouldn't get a gun without consulting the other person. Um, they also lock up uh, the heroin in there for uh, he thinks it might have medicinal value, and it could. Which I don't know. We What's have, an opioid. We've done zero research on heroin since the last episode, which I I don't think we made any promises to do. But we've done zero research. I watched Train Spotting five times between the last. I know everything there is to know. <laughs> um, but but it's an opioid. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming, like, 
maybe in certain in certain circumstances, circumstances it, it could be like used. If yeah. yeah. Um, and and <laughs> Jack, he's like, well, why didn't you just, you know, if, if we're keeping them for that reason, why keep them in the statues? And this is when Locke says, which I think is a thing we could have all assumed, even though he's not overtly religious. He goes, I'm superstitious. <laughs> if you want to smash a bunch of Virgin Mary statues, you go right ahead. And I kind of have to agree with him in that, like, I don't think there's anything, you know, because we've seen several of these statues get smashed in the past, but, like, I wouldn't feel good about it, would you? <laughs> yeah. I'm, again, we're both pretty agnostic. or uh, I, I mean... But having been raised Catholic, I'd feel weird about it. Yeah, don't just go around smashing things. No. Just on a general basis, let alone religious iconography. I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I can say in all certainty I have not smashed any religious iconography but any time recently. This gets Jack thinking about the medicine. Mm. And who has medicine? Who took medicine? Our boy Sawyer. Yeah. So Sawyer's out on the beach. And he's teasing Charlie. Because these two are like... They're both kind of outcasts at this yeah. point. And Sawyer's like... Although, although Sawyer had been coming back into the fold. But he's... It's funny because, you know, a couple episodes ago when Kate's giving him a haircut or something, like, she was telling him, everybody loves you now. And, like, yeah, it was genuinely touching well, to see people go, glad you're okay, man. Because, so, yeah, he had he'd basically gone out and done something very heroic. Sawyer's a, Sawyer's a self-destructive person. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these characters are. But Charlie, he's like, man, oh, you're out here in the suburbs. Now you're an outcast. But then they points out, oh, Jack's going through your your shit over there, and Jack is, and Sawyer's angry about it. It it felt very similar to um, after Boone stole the water, if you remember. Yes. Sawyer made a point of being like, you know, everybody was, you know, I was the most hated person on this island. Now you're the most hated person on this island. Excuse me while I walk off these torture injuries. <laughs> <laughs> so Sawyer's sitting there and we know Sawyer loves to read and mm-hmm. Kate brings him a, a women's magazine from the 70s I guess or something like that what or from was wherever it? like elegant the, or something yeah. that was the name of the <laughs> well the article was 10 ways to tell if he's a sensitive man <laughs> but Sawyer's uh, you know he doesn't have the glasses lost the gra- glasses on the and raft and if he tries to read without the glasses he'll just get a headache and that's and no then good. he's gotta go get the pills that Jack took from him <laughs> um so Kate's like gonna read him the, the sensitive man I love article. this this was so cute but then conversation starts up because Jack's you know spending a lot of time with Anna Lucia mm. and he goes oh Jack didn't ask you to join their army <laughs> stupid army because here's the thing and I'm tipping my hand of something I'm going to say at the end of the episode <laughs> something tells me I know what your man in black is going to be <laughs> you starting an army uh huh you're not going to ask Sawyer or Kate be in the army yeah like <laughs> those are two your, silly those are two of your toughest people you know who you do ask? Yeah, Scott Steve to join us. <laughs> Which one of them is the dead one? <laughs> I forget. I can't remember, but Jack corrects her. Yep. I think I, she says Scott. I think, 
God is the dead one. Yeah, and Steve's then alive. he's like, meet Steve. Like, yeah. I didn't realize... <laughs> How long that joke lasted. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? I... I'm going to die if we get to... Because it's season five when the rest of the uh, extras, when the survivors get sort of, you know, knocked out one by one, right? If one of them is named Steve and they call him Scott. Because there's there's one guy who does the thing that all non-important lost characters who are doomed for death do in that they say you know not everything's about you guys you know we've been here just as long as everybody else we are important too i distinctly remember this guy being saying that yes. and then mid-sentence getting tagged with a flaming arrow yep. i will die i will die I will die well if it turns out to be Steve who says that I, I will die and it because I, I will be laughing myself into an early grave and it will be amazing. I may be wrong, but I believe that guy's I believe that guy's name is Frogert. That can't be right. I swear to God. That can't be right. Swear to God. Well, that's a wasted opportunity then. Well, if they had done that and they had killed Steve on screen like that, that would have been the best goddamn punchline. They probably had a whole new writing staff at that point that weren't in caring about the whoever's. I'd be curious, and I'm not going to do this, <laughs> but I'd be curious to go back through the scripts and see if Leonard Dick is the one keeping. <laughs> Steve Scott thing. <laughs> we'll lot. make an Excel sheet and we'll be like, okay, these are all the all the episodes that Leonard wrote, and these are all the episodes where Steve Scott is mentioned. And we'll be like, what is the? Uh, we'll make a graph <laughs> based on those two bits of data. So, the army. Mm-hmm. The dumb, dumb, Saw- dumb, dumb. Sawyer and army. Kate aren't invited to play their army games, but. Anna Lucia is complaining to Jack, like, I uh, can't convince people to join the army. Apparently says, no one wants to play our stupid game. <laughs> she says the problem is they're not scared enough. Well, yeah, she she makes a point about that because um, Locke, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a big fuss about getting the combination. And she's like, huh, you people are so trusting. That's... Both refreshing and stupid. <laughs> and it is, but I mean, look, they got you got to give somebody that combination. But Jack doesn't give oh, it no, to no. Anna Lucia. No, 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 for sure. I'm just Jack, saying, J- I, I get where Anna Lucia is coming from. Jack, here. on some level, knows, like, there's a responsibility to this, even though yeah. he's, like, giving well, it to Locke. And I think he shows the right... It's the right course of action to show restraint in terms of passing out that combination. Because even if he does trust Anna Lucia, you never know who she's going to... Maybe by telling Anna... You know, that, that whole saying about, like, two men can... Or three men can keep a secret if two of them are dead. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. It's it's just like that. If she, he tells Anna Lucia, maybe she tells Mr. Echo. And then maybe he tells somebody, you know... For, for being a bunch of people who are really good at keeping secrets, they're also really bad at keeping secrets, you know? But then, maybe Anna Lucia is right because, bum bum bum, son gets attacked. <sighs> Which they- and I remembered this very 
vividly. I remember this scene. What did you think about the Vincent fake out? Right beforehand. I mean, that's typical Lost, right? I mean, it's... Uh, I mean... It's obvious, <laughs> but I think it works. Yeah, no, I... I just always think about stuff like this because I, I love horror movies so much. And there are a lot of, like, horror movie jump scares where, like, there's zero effort. Well, they'll literally just throw a cat at the character with, like, no buildup or preamble. I think yeah. this works because there is a lot of buildup to the Vincent jump scare. And then it's the, the attack itself that comes as a shock. So I think this works. I'm just saying there are a lot of scary movies that like do this really, really lazily. So I'm I'm okay with it here. So Son is attacked. Uh, Sawyer and Kate find her. Uh huh. That's and this is real upsetting because you like they're having their cute little moment and then you hear her screaming in the distance. And they race over there. Yeah. So who did it? Must be the others. Who else? But, because there's a black bag involved, too. But Locke, Which is kind of their M.O. But Locke doesn't buy it. He's like, why would they come attack? We talked to them. We they had an agreement. No, yeah, there's no reason for them. We haven't gone into their territory. Why would they have come here and attacked us? And also, <laughs> you know, it's... Sawyer. Sawyer doesn't think it makes any sense either. None of this makes sense. In fact, what Sawyer thinks, he thinks... He tells Kate, they're getting the long con pulled on them. He thinks Ana Lucia did this to frighten people into putting together this army. And you want to know what? That one makes some level of sense. She's the dangerous stranger who's kind of come into this camp. Like she already killed somebody. She'll kill again. (laughs) And two, he's telling this to Kate. Kate's not too thrilled about Anna Lucia. Not too thrilled about the time Jack is spending with her. She's so, a little jealous, yeah. So Kate is, uh, Kate's starting, to, and Jack's giving her the cold shoulder, a little rudely. So... Because Jack's being such a baby. So such a, Kate, he's... Such a baby, I hate him. baby this whole series. <laughs> but, I love him, but I hate him. But Kate is, uh... So Kate's like, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Well... Because, as you know, a long con is convince someone to do something for you. Yes. Well, so this scene where Kate and Sawyer are investigating the scene of the crime. Oh, shit. (laughs) I didn't even think about it. You didn't? No. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was the first thing on my mind when this was happening. I was like, Detective Kate is on the case. And... Like, it was so apparent to me. Granted, it, it, obviously this is Sawyer's episode. But, like, I, I really got, like, Detective Kate vibes from this moment to the point where, again, I know this is Sawyer's episode, but I, in my head, I can see, like, the color saturation changing to black and white, and I can hear neo-noir narration as Detective Kate is going. We took a look at the scene. And, <laughs> and like, I can totally see her investigating. And, like, Sawyer's kind of the femme fatale in this, in this noir who's leading her astray, who, who sends her barking up the wrong tree. 
It's not great detective work on Kate's part. <laughs> no, though. no, no. Because she, much like many a noir detective, is led astray by a pretty face. Uh. And, like, can't you just see, like, Kate sitting on the beach? You know, again, it's black and white. And that's when he walked in. <laughs> so he, goes, he walks up. Hey, freckles. Yes! <laughs> All right. Sorry. That's my Detective K AU. And, like, it kind of wraps up. Like, again, I would totally love this episode framed from her perspective, from the perspective of Detective Kate in a noir fashion, because she does confront him at the end of the episode and, like, wrap up everything. She also, yeah, like Columbo. She also... (laughs) And she gets to the truth, the real motive of the crime. But she... Yeah, it would have been good (laughs) if she put on, like, a Sam Spade-type fedora and then went to talk to... Because she then almost immediately takes this bait and questions Jack. Mm-hmm. About Anna Lucia. <laughs> and How now, well do you really know her? And this has Jack questioning Anna. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's questioning everyone and people getting real mistrustful. And Sawyer's hanging out in the background laughing maniacally going, dance, puppets, dance. And he's just whispering <laughs> in people's ears, this is Anna's plan to get those guns. That's what it is. So <laughs> Sawyer then gets to lock. So it's whispering in Locke's ear. Um, you know. Well, he again, much in the fashion of the of this long con, he gets Kate to go. You need to go warn Locke. That's true. Like, yes, you're well, right. Well, if you insist, Freckles. Yeah. <laughs> he gets Kate to suggest it. Which it's really great because there's this close up on Anna Lucia's face as like. You know, they're they're talking to Sun in the wake of the attack. And, like, there's this straight-on shot of Kate as almost, almost like she's putting the pieces together herself. And she's like, that's her play. You know, Sawyer, with very little effort on his part, leads her to that conclusion. You know, again, because he knows she's a good detective. He gave her all the clues. Yeah. <laughs> It was all laid out. <laughs> he gave her the clues that led her down the wrong path to the point where, again, in the perfect fashion of a long con, she suggests you need to go and warn Locke, which yeah. is what he does. Which I don't know necessarily why she didn't feel the need to do it. Uh, maybe she just wanted to keep an eye on Anna Lucia or something. But yeah, she suggests that he go do that. And he acquiesces, you know, just like he wanted. And he goes tells Locke. <laughs> and he even says, hey, I'll help you. I'll push the button while you go hide these guns. Which is so funny because, you know, at the very beginning of this season, Locke had a whole big thing about needing to learn to ask for help. Which is, you know, why they have this whole um, shift set up to press the button in the first place. And so, yeah, it's, it's really funny that he, like, immediately jumps to that, like, will you help me? And Sawyer goes, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I'll push that button for you. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything else, but I'll push that button for you. So then, you know, Jack comes in, wanting those guns. And Sawyer's like, hold on a second. <laughs> and very slowly and obnoxiously, he's typing in those numbers. About to get that high score on Donkey Kong. And then he's basically, after that, it's like, 
So what's all this? Like, I can't remember what he says, but he basically gives him that, like, okay, now, like, what's going on? What's the big fuss about? Yeah. And Jack discovers the guns are gone. Says the heroin, I believe, too, at this point. Are those what? shelves... Are those shelves empty? I thought the heroin was there because isn't there like... I don't know. Because later it's brought up that Charlie didn't take the heroin. Yeah, but I don't know if that's because Sawyer took the stash while he was in there or if... Yeah, anyway. It doesn't matter. Sawyer didn't touch... See, that's what's brilliant about this. Sawyer never touches the guns until the end when he walks out, you know, with firing a gun. He never touches the guns. Locke moves the guns. I thought... Upon a second viewing that I saw that the all of the heroin statues were gone, I'm fully willing to admit that, like, I was not paying enough attention, that, like, that very well may be an incorrect observation on my part. Ultimately, it doesn't matter because Charlie doesn't want him. Yeah. But, which we'll find out later. So, now Jack confronts Locke. Like, hey, this violated the agreement. But Locke is kind of also like, you you were coming here to get guns. You were going to violate it. I only violated because you were going to violate it. And I see both their points. Yeah. Um, Locke's just being pragmatic. Uh, so they're fighting about this. Well, because it, I will say earlier when, like, Jin was at, was... You know. Oh yeah, Jin. When son, we should say yeah. Yeah. We kind of we kind of skipped over. We it kind a of bit. skipped over everything that happened to Sun and treated it kind of just as a device. And I guess it kind of is, but Jin is genuinely. He wants. He's like gun. Furious. Gun. Yeah. And that's like a the, chilling moment when he's asking for because a gun. he's gonna go down and fucking hunt down the others, and it's not gonna he's work. He's gonna pull a Michael. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we don't need Jin to pull a Michael. So, the, everyone's arguing about these guns. All of a sudden, what do you hear? Gunfire. And who comes walking out of the jungle? With all like the swagger he can like, muster. Yeah. I mean, he comes walking out of it like, uh, I don't know, like, like, Castro in the revolution coming out of a jungle, you know? Like, he's firing the gun up in the... Like, I was trying to think of, like, wh- like what cowboy in my head it, does this matter? And I would guess maybe John Wayne, because this doesn't necessarily feel completely like a Clint Eastwood move, but I don't know. What do you think? What what desperado does this seem like to you? I feel like John Wayne was more of a dick in real life than he was in uh he was, <laughs> in, he was uh, in the movies when in the movies in the movies he wouldn't be pulling this move <laughs> but sawyer comes out and he basically is like you took my stuff <laughs> i'm done taking orders and he's doing this knowing it's gonna make him a pariah and he doesn't give a shit but really he, he deeply gives a shit. <laughs> That's the thing. Like he, this is this is self sabotage at the highest order. Um, and I totally buy it. I totally buy all of it from everything we've learned about this character. Uh, I buy it too, but I do. And again, I I understand that that's the point. I do take issue with. I mean, on the one hand, it's in, it's insanely entertaining that the impetus for all of this was super, super petty. Like, 
but I do take a little bit of issue with it because he was making such good progress. <gasps> but that's the thing is that that's people in real life, like people in real life, self sabotage, sa- self sabotage, and make the same well, mistakes. And look, Charlie was the first person to convey this idea of. Jack and Luck and all these people who are so think they're so important running thing. What about the rest of us? And he did that. Oh, God knows how many episodes ago. Yeah. And this is an extension of that. They are keeping Sawyer out of the, not letting him play in army games. Not that I think he even would, but I mean to not even. It doesn't make well, any sense. What I what I love about this is that one it it dis the fact. That he is able to pull off this Machiavellian scheme is because he has ultimately earned the trust of everyone there. You know, by whether like that that was his game or not at any given point. Like we can tell, like from a couple episodes ago, he wasn't ever expecting it- anybody to actually like him. But he's learned that he's gained their trust. And so when he sees this violation, you know, Jack crossing this line, he goes, okay, what do I have? You know, what tools do I have at my disposal? And what can I get of them? What important thing can I get? And he, knowing he has their trust and knowing that Jack and Locke are the authority figures, what can he do to basically stick it to them? And it's he can well, use their trust in him in him to make everyone see what fools they are and how foolish their rivalry is. It's a good way to literally emasculate everyone that's not him. It's less to me even that he has their trust and more that what you just said, what fools they are, he sees how much they don't trust each other. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where he knows how a lot of the the particular games on the island are being played at the moment and it's because he is kind of even though he's he's one of them you know he also is on the outs enough to see all this drama from the outside and know exactly how to exploit it and look at the end of this kate calls him out of it because first she's like how'd you do it she questions about son but we know sawyer didn't attack some well and and much that's one of the great things about this much like charlie in the previous episode she asks him did were you responsible for what happened to son he doesn't say you know kind of like charlie again you know like you didn't answer my question because he goes what kind of person do you think i am that's not an answer to the question sweetheart (laughs) um so then it becomes this thing, did he just take advantage of that situation? Is that when the... Con- but she basically points out, like, you want people to hate you. Detective Kate, she's like, look, look, sweetheart. Well, this I is- know. <laughs> I know what your real motive was. This is psychologist Kate, even. <laughs> and then he says, hey, like, you run, I come. And you can hear the noir saxophone yeah. being played in the background. <laughs> Tiger don't change his stripes. <laughs> Cut to. We find out deep in the dark jungle. <laughs> because he's got his hood on, so it's it's emo Charlie emerging from the shadows. Charlie comes out of the shadows, and we find out Charlie is Which part is of this. Which is really dark when, when we think about it. Like, this is... 
this, this is fucked up. This is the darkest thing I feel like any one of our on the island, any one of our island buddies has done. And because like all that stuff with Charlie in the previous episode in regards to Aaron, like there were good intentions there. One, like part of it was some of it was he he wasn't even aware of what he was doing and then too when he was acting like a crazy person there were oddly still good motives there it's not it wasn't a good thing to do but his heart was in a good place it, it's weird it's, yeah and the thing this is, is downright malicious this is really good and, and dominic monahan must have loved this because he's this character in the show yeah he's got the heroin problem but he's like the lovable funny character this and is it's the so darkest good. he's ever gotten to play in. Yeah, it's so good that they let him go that dark. And I'm imagining he must have loved this. It's uh, fun to play the bad guy sometimes. Charlie had followed Locke but not, uh, when Locke was hiding the guns. But not only that, Charlie was the one who attacked Sun. Yeah, when he says, Sun can never found out, find out about what I did to her. Like, that's fucking dark yeah um but i will i will say to his oh go ahead go ahead well this whole thing charlie didn't do it to get the heroin didn't do it he just wanted to embarrass Locke. he wanted to make Locke look like a fool yeah um which again this is it's interesting knowing that these two were behind what happened to her because a, a point of I guess debate was whether or not he's responsible for her injury or if it happened because she fell. And the implication is that, like, when she fell trying to get away from him, she bumped her head, and that's what yeah. caused the injury. In which case, I have to wonder if Charlie then goes, oh, shit, oh, no. Like, <laughs> like they, if he was just planning on letting her run away. They Yeah. And then she tripped, and, you know, she starts bleeding from the head, and he goes, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, what do we do, what do we do? And then he bails, going, oh, "Oh, yeah, it probably went, (laughs) didn't plan to go that far. Um, So that's kind of our Sawyer storyline. There is a a brief other storyline. You know, Saeed, uh, he's breaking coconuts. Her and Hurley comes over, singing the... uh, Lime in the coconut song. Lime in the coconut, and Saeed's like, I, I either have no context for what you're talking about, or I don't care. And the answer is probably both. <laughs> uh, but Hurley brings him a shortwave radio, and he's saying, Hey, you know, make a because it's the one the Tailies had. Yeah, and maybe you make a radio out of coconuts. I don't know. <laughs> it's you know, like you switch did... the red wire with the blue wire, and then all of a sudden you have a magic telecommunication device. They did it on Gilligan's Island all the time. <laughs> um, but he's trying to cheer up Saeed. Yeah. And Saeed is totally checked out. He doesn't give a shit. Whatever. He's like, I don't need to be cheered up. And I do want to take a, a quick moment before before we get to the end of that particular story. When Sawyer's given his big speech after he's embarrassed um, Jack and Locke, he goes, he looks specifically at Saeed oh. and he's like, you want to torture me, don't you? Well, go right ahead, but I'll die before I give up the location of these guns. And 
It's really funny because the camera cuts to Saeed and he looks exactly as not amused as he does when Hurley comes up and yeah. is like, fix this radio for well, me. Well, Saeed's really on one level now. It's like, he's a, a little broken. It's really funny because he's like, you want to torture me, don't you? And I, I just picture Saeed going, no, not really. I'm kind of just doing my own thing. Well, I'll die before that I give them up. Okay, like, I'm not... I'm not threatening you, Sawyer. I, I mean, you do you. I really don't care. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> it's just really funny how not invested sight. And I don't think this is yeah. Naveen Andrews giving a, a bad performance. I legit think it's just Saeed as a character being checked out of the stupid drama that's going on right now because he's still sad about Shannon. And so it's just really funny to have Sawyer yelling at him, giving this big dramatic speech, and having Saeed just be like, yeah, whatever, man. So Saeed does do something with the shortwave radio. He builds an antenna and he shows it to Hurley and they trying to get a signal moonlight they hear the French serenade. and then they pick up moonlight serenade glenn miller's band playing it <laughs> and it's like we could be anywhere and hurley's like or any time <laughs> because the signal could be coming from anywhere or any when is what yeah. what he says and I'm not gonna lie, I said, God damn it. And then and then Hurley just in time for Hurley to go, just kidding. And I'm like, Are you though? Are you? Not by the time we get to season five. Now, again, was this just a joke or was this do you think this was foreshadowing? There's no way that they didn't have that sitting in that writer's room time travel hadn't come up. That's fair. There's like, no way. Honestly, I would have bought if like an early justification for them being unable to, you know, for for rescue to, or for for this island being lost, I kind of would have bought, like, an early justification of, like... They went back in time. They went back in time, or there was some sort of, like, like pocket dimension that this um, island existed in. Like, there are things I would have bought... That they ended up not running with. They were in the Spider-Verse. Uh, yes. Go on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've written plenty of fanfic, Well, Now it's your turn. Uh, I've given my, my whole rewrite of this episode as an episode of Detective Kate. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about your Into the Spider-Verse crossover. <laughs> but one of those boars is Spider-Pig. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I like that. Um. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, my, let, let's start with my man in black because I've already kind of said it. It's like they've doubled down on the army thing. And then <laughs> if you're going to start an army, you should ask, like, you know, Locke or Sawyer or Kate to be in it because they're, or maybe Saeed, the guy who. It was in the army yeah. at one point. Uh, was a soldier. <laughs> so it's like their army is a half-assed idea, even more so than I remembered. Uh, what's your man in black? Um, like I said, I, the the pettiness of the situation and the regression of Sawyer's character are things that don't sit one hundred percent well with me. But I also one hundred percent like dig this episode, and I I understand the point of making him regress because honestly he hasn't had 
a ton to do yet this season. Like, he hasn't had a flashback episode yet until this point. So, and, like, he spent a good chunk of the season being unconscious, you know, because he he was on a raft, and then he got captured, and then he got sick. And so, like, I understand, like, because he's recovering, he's in no position to have an episode like this. Um, But he's finally recovered to the point where he can make a play like this. So I, I totally understand bringing him back to this point and making him take these steps as a character. And I find it thoroughly entertaining. So instead of that, I'm going to make my man in black those two extras. Man. They stink. <laughs> they were so bad. Um, I'm sorry, but you guys were... I'm sorry. He's <laughs> the long insurance. I'm not going to say anymore. You just, I'm sorry. My Jacob is the pacing of this episode. It is so well paced. It is so, like, it just hits, it only hits the necessary beats. And it moves. It's one of the fastest hours of Lost that they've had. That's my Jacob. That's an excellent choice. Um, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it to the moment Sawyer makes his big reveal. Um, Because, like, honestly, the first time watching that episode, like, the first time I watched this episode, I totally thought Sawyer was just kind of going with the flow and enjoying himself up until that big moment. Like, I honestly didn't think he was playing anybody. I just kind of thought he was going with the flow. Um, which is kind of silly, considering that this episode is called The Long Con, and you the flashback is a... entirely about him pulling a long con on somebody who doesn't understand that that's what's happening to her. So I feel like I should have known, go, you know, the first time I watched this episode that that's what he was doing on the island, but I, I legitimately didn't, because he had grown so much. And I think we are a little misdirected by there being an actual on its face long con in the flashback yeah it's a misdirection like a con man exactly so i'm gonna give it to the moment where he makes that big reveal of this was my plan that's what (laughs) that's what you get don't touch my stuff (laughs) okay well this is a fun episode this is is really good i like this episode a lot me too uh let's uh, wrap it up then uh megan where can the people find you you guys can follow me on twitter and instagram at the manguin that's t-h-e-m-e-n-g-u-i-n and you can follow me on twitter at (laughs) the real will link uh okay well until next time see you in another life brother Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, Yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, And so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network 
uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have the Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean podcast? Yeah. Will Hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, Rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.